our idea is the following. Let's say you have a keyword that's working super well on Google search. Let's say the keyword uh, French press coffee, it's amazingly well, uh, it's working amazingly well for your coffee e-commerce. And you're writing first position, Mazel Tov, great for you. But you really want to squeeze out more traffic from that keyword. So we take that keyword, we crawl the top 10 results on Google, and then we automatically submit these results as part of GDN. So we will be targeting the specific places, the specific placement, sorry, as uh, GDN placement of the results that are appearing on the top page. Welcome to episode 71 of the PPC Show, where we interview the best and brightest paid marketers in the industry. I'm your host, JD Prater. And this week I'm joined by Gianluca Benelli to talk about the rise of the technical marketer. Stay tuned as he talks to us about working at Google and then getting into writing scripts and learning Python code and also starting his own digital agency. Gianluca, welcome to the PPC Show. Thank you, JD, for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited uh, that you came all the way from Italy. All the just, way. All just, the to, way. just to come just on the podcast. For you. Just for you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, John Luca was in town here in San Francisco visiting some clients and uh, reached out on Twitter. And I was like, oh man, yeah, come hang out. And so we hung out on Wednesday and now we're here recording again. Uh, I got more of his time on Friday, so I'm I'm excited. Thanks I'm for coming back. Thank you for having me. No, we were we were we went and grabbed some coffee of, as you do with, with an Italian. Oh, you must. Uh, and so he started explaining some of these really cool tools that he's got working on. So I'm gonna let him kind of share some of these things with you. But first, John Luca, tell some tell the, the good people <laughs> more about you, maybe like they in some like the Cliff Notes version. Super. No, no, I'm very, very happy to be here. This morning I was on the phone with with my mom and I told her uh, that I was going to be interviewed by a PPC podcast, so she got all excited. And then she was very, very excited, but after a while I figured out she understood BBC, like the British <laughs> Broadcasting Network. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a bummer then when I told her, no, it's not BBC, mom, it's a little bit of a narrower audience. But I am excited anyways, even if my mom doesn't doesn't appreciate uh, the PPC community as much as I do. So I, I've been, in the PPC game for, I keep saying 10 years, for the last 12 years actually, but <laughs> we're gonna stick at 10. I am originally from Italy as my <coughs> accent, appearance and name give out. And I worked at Google, uh, always on the, the AdWords side in different roles. First I was product specialist, so the, the guy that is whispering in the ear of your account manager what uh, what is the ideal product for you, which I think is one of the most frustrating job in the world because you need to tell people to tell people to tell people to do something. So after two years and a half probably doing that, I uh, you know develop all these theories, uh, this product is perfect for this type of client, we should definitely do that and more than that. And then you know I roll up my sleeves and move to the marketing team where I was actually uh, seeing the scope of my theories and you know uh, challenging some of the the ideas I had and probably 90% of the thing I theorized were wrong but it was a 10% that worked <laughs> out <laughs> which got me you know they didn't fire me so they kept me in the team for a while and it was very exciting because I joined the the marketing team you always see from outside the online marketing at Google or at least I thought it was you know a super mega sophisticated machine turns out it's human and there are humans as well there <laughs> uh, so nothing is perfect and when I joined the, the EMEA team we were uh, 
three or four people. When I left, we were 54. Which oh, was, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's very, massive growth. Very exciting ride. Yeah. And, uh, and in that journey, you know, Google does this 20% uh, thing, which basically is from six to nine and weekend. <laughs> That's your 20%. <laughs> uh, at least it was for me. Uh, and I work with the guys at Capital G. Uh, the, the VC firm here in San Francisco and uh, so that was very exciting because I helped them uh, figuring out um, the growth theme there figuring out what are the opportunity for uh, paid media for some of the companies they were investing into you know and that was kind of uh, putting all the doc connecting the docs backwards I figure out that even big companies or unicorn or supposedly unicorn uh, not necessarily we're taking the full advantage of the huge amount of data there is out there. So I bridged the two things together, the expertise again in the last 12, but we're going to stick with 10 years uh, <laughs> in this industry. And I'll, I managed to be part of the team that uh, became more and more sophisticated on online advertising in, uh, in EMEA and uh, the need in the market for helping company making a better sense of the data they have available. So I went on into building Booster Box, where uh, that's what we do. So we are a scientific performance marketing agency. We're focusing on large, medium, large international clients that have big problems. So they are more challenging to, to work with. And by big problems, I mean big data set really. And we are based out in Tuscany, where else? Hmm. Silicon Tuscany, middle of nice. nowhere. <laughs> Where the most, I get, you know, the biggest challenge that I faced, we, we've been doing that for 18 months now, mm -hmm. and definitely the biggest challenge I had to face uh, was setting up the internet there in the office. <laughs> but now we have internet connection, we're good to go, and it's a very exciting ride to be, uh, you know, grab a glass of wine in the evening and having an impact working on big problems. So that's what we do. Nice. I mean, it's kind of hard to beat working on big problems, especially with a glass of wine in your hand. Exactly. So, it helps also. It really helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really cool. So uh, we got you on the show today to kind of talk about the rise of the technical marketer and then talk about some of the tools that you have built because of that. So, uh, you know, in particular, I've noticed within uh, within like the PPC world in, in particular, like the, the, the amount of coding that's like almost needed now. Not necessarily needed, but like everyone is getting more savvy. And so if you don't know how, it's almost like you're getting left behind, right? And so you see, you know, you got like Frederick Valley, you got Daniel Gilbert writing these amazing scripts that we're all using. And some people are like, I don't even use scripts, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't even know what that is or what's going on. But, you know, you're able to take that even a step further. So like, what, what have you seen within the community with people getting more technical? Do you, do you think that that's true? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I think uh, there were a few articles coming up in the last few years in this direction, the rise of the technical marketers. And I think overall, uh, that's a reflection that marketing has changed in the last 10, 20, 30 years. And the fundamentals probably are the same, meaning find the user, find the magic connected to, right? But if you want to use a sport analogy, I don't know, I was watching the biking game yesterday night. The football game was super exciting. Yeah, I, I, That was the first football match I saw in my life. Oh, All no. the matches are like that, <laughs> man, I'm, I'm hooked. And, you know, probably the fundamentals of football 30 years ago, 40, 50 are the same. Like, I don't think the rule change, right? Mm -hmm. But the technology that is there now, right? You know, even the material, the shoes, the thinking, the process, the food, the, the, the training they do, everything has changed. So it is a different sport. And I think hmm. same analogy works for marketing, right? Of course, the goal is kicking the ball in a certain direction anyways, 
but everything has changed. And I think the complexity of data that we have on the user and the complexity of data that we have on the product makes the same job of finding a user, finding the magic connected to much more exciting. And all of that complexity, I think that unlocks the need for a different type of skill set. So yeah. just being the best and whining at 90 probably is not anymore. <laughs> uh, the killing element, you also need to be good at making sense of a complex data set or you know, knowing a little bit of statistics in order to get your head around on which one is the winner in an A-B test, et cetera, et cetera. So I think definitely this is a trend that is happening has been happening for the last few years. And Dan and Frederick, the people you mentioned, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm just very grateful mm -hmm. to be playing this game now in a contest where we have so much access to data. Like you just said, I, I DM you on Twitter to meet you up and we've been nerding out of, you know, talking about my favorite thing in the world. And yeah. I think it's, we are so lucky to be, in a, in, to be alive this time where we can reach out to anyone in the world and we can learn statistics from MIT for free online. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, tell that to our grandparents or our parents, right? Yeah. So um, I think there's no excuses, right? Right. Uh, the world is going in that direction as mm -hmm. in the PVC game, as marketeer, I think it's our responsibility to just embrace the fact that technology is rising and it's just like gravity is happening. Just, you know, we just not, cannot fight. We just need to embrace it and make sure that you know, we are uh, riding that wave. Yeah, and I think part of that too is you're unlocking different abilities too. Um, so we're, we're gonna get into some of the tools that you built using technology and using this code, but like, how did you get started writing writing scripts or like learning Python, right? Yeah. I mean, like, how did you okay, so, uh, get involved? First of all, to give you an idea of how good I am in Python, <laughs> every time I make a script and I give it to my guys, they're like, oh, that's sweet. They trash it and they rewrite it from scratch. So <laughs> on a scale from one to nine, I'm definitely not above four. Yeah, I'm very generous with myself. Well, I'm at a zero, so <laughs> you're, you're doing better than I am. I don't have a calculator now, but four is more than zero. Yes, uh, yeah, right. yes, oh, right. <laughs> so I, look, when I started at Google, I was literally in between two guys that were two of the best people I know in, in Google Analytics, hmm. and they were talking to each other. And you know, uh, the only option not to learn was listening to music 24-7, <laughs> which I didn't. Uh, and so, you know, just things sunk in. And at one point, I, realized, I figured out there was this tool, a script editor feature in Google Spreadsheet. And then I start playing around with that. I remember the first thing I did was a stupid thing to automatically send emails to, instead of, you know, taking notes for phone calls for my colleagues, mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, when you call your account manager, it's not at his desk and somebody else mm -hmm. is picking up the phone. It's, you know, as I was lazy, uh, yeah. <laughs> taking notes, uh, it wasn't part my particularly uh, favorite mundane task. So I start playing with this script. So that was the get-go that uh, got me hooked in, you know, finding the magic. I think the first time you write something from scratch and then it works is just, you know, magical, right? The first time you see a little word. So I, I start with that and then I thought myself a little bit more on the theory, a little bit on Code Academy. And uh, I try also to brush up a little bit more my statistical skills. As mm -hmm. I mentioned, the MIT has an online course and you know, uh, there's plenty of stuff on Coursera, Udemy, everything it's everywhere for free. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying no excuses on that. And, uh, and yeah, so th these are where the two main elements, knowing getting a little bit better in coding. Uh, the theory was for me Code Academy. Then the second bracket was definitely playing with amazing resources that are out there in the community. So mm -hmm. on the Google developer side, there's so much 
so much stuff that is unbelievably cool. Yeah. And then, you know, Dan, Frederick, all the people you mentioned earlier are sharing great stuff on uh, online. But I think the third pillar, so I guess the, the theory uh, is the first pillar. The second one is figuring out what are the scripts that are out there and start playing with it. But the third pillar for me is people. Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, uh, for instance, at Boosterbox, my, my company now, we do lectures. So on a weekly basis, we invite an external guest that is sitting with us and it's just, you know, explaining <laughs> their job. And these people are people, you know, investment bankers or data scientists. They don't necessarily are in the PVC game. Mm -hmm. But building a connection and talking with someone that is solving a similar problem in just a different environment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's really helping me uh, and helping my team accelerating this level of knowledge even when it comes to scripting right so mm -hmm. having the opportunity to reach out to to someone a human being a mentor a person just to bounce off ideas and say listen i'm using this approach it's not working what do you suggest that's it that is definitely key and even on that one we live in a fantastic time we have yeah. reached out to anyone on twitter and <laughs> instagram and you know the worst case they're just gonna say no or not pick up that message, right? <laughs> so definitely feel free to reach out. And if you have tough question on Python, reach out to JD. If you have easy <laughs> questions, reach out to me. That's right. <laughs> so I wanna kind of uh, rewind some of that because I think <clears throat> one thing uh, you didn't intentionally, but you, you, you glossed over. So you actually started with a problem and then you, you know, I'm lazy, right? And I wanna solve this problem, right? Whatever it is, but I don't necessarily think it's even laziness, I, I mean, you actually took the action to go solve the problem in like a programmatic way, which is fantastic. So I, that's what I love about your tools, which we're about to get into. It's really starting with, man, wouldn't that be cool if, right? Or yeah. I have this problem, you know, the client wants this, and then it's, what can I do to mitigate that or solve that in a way that's scalable so, uh, you know, people aren't necessarily doing this manually, every day, every hour, whatever yeah. it is, but like there's something running in the background, right? And uh, I think the other part to that too is you also took action to go and learn. I think uh, I think the, the people that, you know, you might say it's lazy, I think it's the opposite. I'm lazy. I could, I have the exact same access to these resources that you do, but I'm not out there learning by, right? And so well, I guess, you, you're, you know, you're gonna push me to go and learn it this year. 2018, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. It's happening. This year is mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I think, look, uh, you know, I think it's important that you, each one of us is focusing on the right priorities and uh, it depends at which point people are in their career or, uh, you know, to start with a basic example, right? If you are an agency or if you are solo, then definitely the skill set that you need to build is entirely mm. different, right? So I don't think that uh, developing this learning skill is mandatory for everyone. I do think though that not being afraid of that it, that's it right if you're not mm -hmm. afraid of seeing a script and playing with it that you're already 99 percent better than, than <laughs> anyone else right so i think the key is just not being afraid of testing something new and whatever that's probably applicable on anything in life um well cool yeah well let's let's jump into some of the products that you built so we're, we're going to talk about four of them specifically because uh, as we were getting copies we were talking about them and i was like whoa 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 we got to have that on the PPC show. So which one do you want to start with? I Yeah, so I think the first one I really like is what we call Zool, the gatekeeper, right. uh, in, in honor of the marvelous movie Ghostbuster that I, I 
strongly encourage everyone to, to watch again. For the, <laughs> the original, right? The original, I mean, the original of course. Okay. So Zul the Gatekeeper was a very, very nasty uh, monster. I don't know how to define it. Probably yeah, whatever. Nasty right? monster. Monster, yeah, yeah. I think. It's a, it's a good definition. Uh, our Zul is much friendlier. And he's basically a tool that allow, helps us mitigating the risk of having ads appearing in the wrong placement. So let me start by the problem, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything starts from it's there. It's a great right? problem. Usually tools start from people uh, nerding out in the mini kitchen or <laughs> getting a wrong email from the client. This is a story that starts with the second scenario. So classic email, Friday night, it was summer uh, last year and I, was, I, I still remember where I was. And I get an email from a CEO of a very large uh, company, which uh, it, 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 it's still our client, fortunately. So it's, it's a... It's good. a good story. Zool's exactly. working. Zool's <laughs> working. Uh, of course, somebody took a screenshot of one of our ads mm. appearing in the wrong place. That's right. And you know, Murphy's Law is true. We've been there getting oh, yeah. those type of nasty email. And there's nothing you can do, right, to avoid, to put yourself in a situation where you are 100% in control of every single placement in the world. So um, you might remember a few months back, I think it was May last year, uh, there was this backlash on YouTube. Everybody yeah. was against Google. We shouldn't buy GDN. Pulling money out. Exactly. Yeah. Google's yeah. not doing enough to protect us. I strongly disagree with that approach because I think it's our responsibility to, uh, man as an agency in my case, but as players in the market, is our responsibility to make sure that we're using outdoors and Facebook and all the amazing tools that are out there responsibly. These are self-serving platforms, mm -hmm. right? So it's our, the, the self-service element. There's a very beautiful uh, um, Brain Labs article. Daniel Gilbert wrote something similar uh, some times ago, underlining that the self-service element in the word self-service tool implies that his agency's responsibility right. to take that ownership. So I think that pulling spend out of GDN and Facebook, just like stop playing, probably it's not the best idea. So from one side, Definitely, you cannot control fully at 100% where your ads will appear. And, you know, probably our own ads will appear in the wrong placement in the future. But we started putting together a methodology in order to mitigate this risk. So from the basic things, excluding having a blacklist of websites where you don't want to appear, mm -hmm. having a list of negative keywords that you want to exclude, excluding site by topics, etc. Uh, what do you do if you don't know who the bad guys are, right? So what we did was uh, literally taking a list of all the bad keywords, a gigantic list of negative keywords. So imagine tax fraud, pornography, keywords mm -hmm. you will never want to be associated with. And uh, we built a script that goes and pulls uh, the placement where you add a peer yesterday. So at midnight, close of business, the script calls AdWords and it's like, AdWords, can you please tell me the placement where we appeared yesterday? That's phase one. Phase two, we go and scan every single element on the page of uh, each placement. This is not really every single element because we cannot scan images, we cannot scan videos, we are only scanning text. We mm. try to scan videos, okay. to be honest. We use the Google Cloud uh, video API, mm -hmm. but I think technology is not there yet. So uh, the results that we got by submitting videos there where like, it works like this. You submit a video to the Google Cloud API, the machine analyzes it, and it tells you, in this video, you find A, B, C. 
the level of granularity in the output that you get mm -hmm. is too broad probably because you only get in this video you find a man with a white t-shirt well thank you <laughs> I, I so if you don't have men and white t-shirts in your negative exclusion that's not really gonna help you so videos definitely are a big limitation but on text mm -hmm. we managed to figure out uh, that by first of all counting the appearance of specific keyword in the text contained on the website uh, that was already giving us an indication if a website was about let's say tax fraud or pornography or something you don't really want to appear next with next to uh, and then the second element we build a regression model that identified if a certain word is repeated more than once uh, within a space of 2000 characters then we overweight that element and that really helped us mm -hmm. identify with a certain level of accuracy website where we appeared yesterday and we don't want to appear tomorrow so what the script does at midnight goes call the placement then from midnight until four in the morning start measuring if analyzing the website and trying to identify if these sites were bad guys or not and then by four in the morning takes the decision and push it that back into outdoors so that the following day you add are not appearing on that website now this is definitely not perfect it doesn't capture 100% of the website and is ex post. So your mm -hmm. mistakes already was made and somebody could have already taken mm -hmm. a screenshot on the previous date and send it to the CEO. So definitely this is not 100% a guarantee of success, but it's a step that it helped is helping us uh, mitigating the risk of appearing in the wrong place. So that's why Zool, the gatekeeper, is the protector of brand for us. And then the icing on the cake on this story was the fact that we were able to put uh, the script into a tiny Raspberry Pi. Uh, to be honest, if the script works in the, in the cloud, it's much faster. Sure. But the fact that it's on a Raspberry Pi sitting in your machine, right? So you literally you plug it on your computer. <laughs> it's giving us people, humans, a sense, a concrete sense of protection, right? So at midnight, the tiny Raspberry Pi, in a very noisy way, will start wiring out, calling the placement, and that's where you feel protected. So that's really something that is helping me sleeping better at night. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Zul. <laughs> Again, you heard about the problem. The problem was, you know, we're talking about brand safety. Um, this is more and more important that you'll, you'll, we've been hearing this specifically on YouTube in the last year. And so I thought it was a really great way of using code, making a tool that is doing something programmatic to where you don't necessarily have to have someone in there manually checking every single placement. And of course, there is that additional layer that goes in in reviews. But of course. being able to go in and say, hey, check out all the placements, and then you're, you're, you're crawling the site for the text, you've assigned weight to it, and this is all done while you guys are sleeping. So by the time you guys wake up, you know, you guys have a, an answer, right? And exactly. So fantastic. I, I love, I love that story. I love the tool, and I haven't even seen it, but I, I just think it's a great way of using code to benefit like PPC or so. Yeah, good work on that one. Absolutely. On a similar logic, we uh, try to replicate a similar approach of scanning content mm -hmm. in order to recycle the existing keywords. Let, let me start by the problem again. So here we we often work with clients that are established business, they've been in the PPC game for a while, maybe four, five, seven years. So you have plenty of data, right? And sometimes these businesses are maxed out. So it's not as easy as, huh, gee, we forgot to add uh, extension. Let me switch them on. You need to figure out what are, in 
in a way you can call it lateral thinking and trying to figure out, okay, we have this type of information, mm -hmm. how can we reuse this information in a different context? Okay. So what we did in this case was trying to figure out, uh, we know we have these keywords that are working very well for us, how, do we use, how can we use this keyword in a different way than not simply buying ads on, uh, on Google search? Uh, so we call this tool Pinter Move. So I'm a geek on <laughs> uh, Roman history. So uh, the Pinter Move is this move that Hannibal and, and the Romans were fighting. Uh, I don't know the year, to be honest. Uh, so the Romans developed this technique on uh, laterally attacking the enemy, so not uh, where the enemy was stronger, but on the sides. So we inspired by that type of approach, our idea is the following. Let's say you have a keyword that's working super well on Google search. Let's say the keyword uh, French press coffee, it's amazingly well, uh, it's working amazingly well for your coffee e-commerce. And you're writing first position, Mazel Tov, great for you. But you really want to squeeze out more traffic from that keyword. So we take that keyword, we crawl the top 10 results on Google, and then we automatically submit these results as part of GDN. So we will be targeting the specific places, the specific placement, sorry, as uh, GDN placement of the results that are appearing on the top page. In other words, when somebody is clicking on that keyword, is searching for that keyword, if they click on your ad, great. If they click on your competitor's ad, there's really nothing you can do about it. But if they click on an organic result, you know, this is a zero sum game, right? Mm -hmm. So the rest of the CTR goes to someone else. So if they're clicking on an organic result, and if that organic result is selling ad inventory, you want to be there. Now, of course, some of this placement will be Wikipedia or competitors or placement that are not part of the Google Display Network, but if someone is selling that inventory, you want to be there. So the Pinsir Move is a tool that is helping us. Once you have figured out that these keywords are working well for you on search, you can try this approach to scale that beyond search exactly with the same keyword. Yeah, I think this is another, you know, really smart tactic, right? So if you're not able, um, or I should say, maybe you're not ranking organically yet. Maybe yeah. maybe, maybe you have an SEO team that's really trying to get you in that top 10. And this is something that, again, you can use as long as that organic result is part of the GDN network. I mean, and again, it's a programmatic way. You're scanning it going, okay, cool. Two of the 10 are fantastic. Automatically add them to this ad group and we're gonna be bidding on them at this price, right? Exactly, it's and fantastic. You know, if you have, if you're lucky enough also to have direct media buying, yep. in the client has that type of contact, or you as an agency are covering that as well, this is also a great way to inform your direct media buying team to pick up the call, the phone, and start calling <laughs> those placements. <laughs> and this is good, I mean, like, I, I think this is fan, like another good one, like reviews, right? So. French press coffee reviews, uh, right? Yeah. And we all know there's a ton of review sites out there and we know that a lot of those review sites do sell inventory. And so again, maybe you've got the top position uh, and now they click on the first organic, but you're also showing an ad there, yeah. right? I mean, you're just, uh, great job on that one. I really like that one. So that one is called Pincer Move. Pincer Move, yeah. Pincer Move. So you've got Zool, you've got Pincer Move. Uh, what else you got? We also have something that we call Cherry Picker. It's funny you mentioned reviews. The place for review in the world is YouTube. Uh, so you guys, if you've ever been in touch with someone from Google talking about YouTube, you know YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. So uh, we heard that sentence. The problem is 
when you try to buy YouTube, okay, fine, you can buy remarketing, you can follow people when they are watching a YouTube video with your French press coffee product, great. And that works from a performance perspective, right? But trying to get YouTube to work beyond branding from a performance perspective, aside remarketing, is quite difficult. It's tough, it is. Now, there are 46 million, trillion, zillion, thousand of videos <laughs> uploaded every nanosecond on YouTube, something like that. And probably a little bit more than this number by the time you're publishing this podcast. So definitely it's tricky from a Google perspective or from an advertiser perspective, trying to figure out what is the content of the video, right? Mm -hmm. So what we do is, uh, what Google offers is the opportunity to buy keywords on YouTube in terms of uh, what is used to be called through view in search. I don't know if now it has, it has a new, new name. Uh, but the problem with that approach is that these keywords are broad. So, you know, definitely broad keywords are something that was cool in 2006. And <laughs> since then, uh, we all figured out yeah. we shouldn't do. So uh, what we are doing is actually trying to cherry pick the specific placement. So very similar to the pincer move logic, once we figure out that reviews are a thing for uh, e-commerce selling uh, French press coffee, um, then we will take the keywords, we will match them with unboxing, review, et cetera, et cetera. And then we'll have a bunch of keywords that are suitable for YouTube we uh, go and plug into YouTube every single keyword, and then we'll extract each specific uh, YouTube video. We take the YouTube videos and then we target them specifically with a true viewing stream. So at this point, from a user perspective, you're about to watch a video on uh, skiing in Aspen. And if you are an hotel in Aspen, you want to be uh, in front of the eyeballs of a user that is about to watch that video. Uh, so definitely this is something that from a performance advertising perspective has been proven to be very successful for us. Hmm. And it's something that you know we're putting out there in the world, giving back. Yeah, so this one, um, with all of these two, we'll have links for all of you guys in the show notes to go in and check it out. But this one, you know, um, he does have the code that we'll be sending a link to. It's also a slide share presentation for this one. But this one I thought was really cool within YouTube. So if I'm looking for, you know, French press reviews and, you know, we maybe have an ad on that on that one as well. But we're also we're scraping the YouTube organic. He's pulling out that YouTube video ID and adding that as a placement for his ads as Correct. well. So that's, I mean, it's another brilliant move of uh, utilizing organic and using it again in a programmatic way of writing some code to say, let's scrape this list, let's pull this out, and then let's start bidding on this without having to go in and manually type in all of these keywords. Yes. Keep a list of all of these YouTube videos because no one has time for that. I mean, that's you know, probably hundreds of keywords, thousands of keywords, and you're able to do this in a way that's really fast, really scalable. So exactly saving that time. I love, I love the automatic uh, part of that and the automation stuff. Yeah, we really try to strive for automation as much as we can. And I think as we mentioned earlier, being lazy is a big portion of that. <laughs> and the second thing is being process oriented as much as we can. Uh, the, the reality is that the way I see this job going in the future is really uh, all this stuff is gonna be automated anyways. So sure. if we drive the automation better, uh, because that will allow us to move faster and closer to the strategic part, meaning your day doesn't have to be 
figuring out what are the negative terms from the SQR or fixing those bits, right? Mm -hmm. But you can sit and think on strategic stuff with your client on how you double revenue next year, right? Yeah. And that's all, I mean, that's, that's how you don't lose your job to automation, right? <laughs> exactly. If your job is going through, looking at YouTube placements and seeing how they are ranking, I mean... There's something wrong with your There's life. something wrong, man, because he he already has, you know, a Python script that's going to put you out of business. <laughs> so um, let's go to the last one. Yeah. Um, Again, Roman thumbs history. Thumbs up or thumbs down, right? Thumbs up or thumbs down, yes. So Roman history, we call this tool Caligula. Uh, so the idea is, is the following here. You know when you set up a brand new campaign and you're putting the keyword uh a keyword that potentially have a second meaning. So let's say the keyword panda, uh, because you're selling uh, panda is an Italian car. Let's say it's a, okay. it's a car brand, right? You're selling cars, lead generation for cars. And uh, you know, you are very happy, you close your computer, you go home, the day after you go in the office, you open the computer, you see the SQR, and oh my gosh, panda is also an antivirus, and panda obviously is the animal, and you forgot. So how can you, not have to wait to make a mistake in order to figure out what negative keywords you want to add in your campaign. So here really there are a few steps that one can take. Obviously you can go proactively on the keyword panel, plug in your keywords, trying to run an engram on the output and you will see that Panda is also an antivirus so you will add antivirus as negative term. And that's easy enough to do for terms that you know are ambiguous already, like in this obvious example. But if you have plenty of keywords or something is not uh, obviously ambiguous, how could you predict which terms will give you trouble from a search term report perspective? So what we did was literally trying to search each one of these terms on Google <laughs> because we are insane. But obviously we did that with a bot. So. Uh, in this case, we're talking about a very large uh, e-commerce uh, selling thousands and thousands of products. These products, the brand of these products are wines. So a wine often in Southern Europe is a family name. So imagine Binelli wine. How cool is that? I should branch out. Binelli. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so how could you, especially on family names, right, try to... Uh, discern if a certain name has also a secondary meaning beyond the wine or whatever you're selling. So in this case, we went out on Google and searched every single one of these terms. So at this point, you know that for Binelli wine, uh, you have the standard results. Okay, so that's our first step. The second step is we will go and match the content of the H1 and the meta tag, so the listing that you get on Google, versus a positive library. So a library that contains keywords that are describing your product. So in this case will be wine, winery, etc. So we will at this point be able to assign a score to each one of these listing. And this is binary, right? That's why Caligula, yes or no, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, because we will have zero one uh, scoring to each one of this uh, H1 and meta tag. So let's say the first organic listing on Google is about Binelli wineries that contains the word winery. Great, one. This, this result is definitely relevant to our game, to what we're selling. We go on with the second result, the result, etc. And at this point, we are able to give a final score to each one of the term. So uh, 
numbers, high numbers, so something close to 10, probably very highly relevant. Terms that are closer to zero, so on the lower end of the spectrum, probably they could be potentially ambiguous. So at this point, you're able to isolate terms that are potentially ambiguous. And the real icing on the cake here is the fact that there's a second part of the script that scans also the description and then runs an engram on that and gives you back suggestion of negative keywords. So let me give you the Panda example. Let's say you will plug in the keyword Panda on Google. Uh, Google tell you, okay, the first result is Panda antivirus. The second result is Panda zoo, whatever. And so clearly none of these two results are referring to uh, Panda car. Uh, Panda car, by the way, I'm pretty sure nobody knows in the world. You guys should definitely <laughs> no. Google that. It's a horrible car from the 80s. Never heard of a Panda yeah. car. Okay, no, look it up. That's a good, it's, if you never heard of a Panda car, your life is good. Okay. <laughs> Use that as benchmark. So um, at this point, the first the, we, we have identified the Panda very likely is an ambiguous keyword. And then the last part of the script will crawl the content, sorry, the, the H1 and the meta tag of the first result and the second result, we run an engram on those, and then we'll suggest you antivirus and animal and zoo as negative keywords. Uh, so that is really cool because this is something you need to run once, only in the beginning, that save us a lot of money because, you know, from now on, when you set up a campaign, you can go home knowing that the following day in that SQR that you're gonna check out uh, you're not gonna find horrible, obvious mistake that you should you should have known better uh, to exclude in the beginning. So Caligula, really cool, thumbs up and thumbs down in order to figure out which terms are ambiguous or not. Gotcha. I really like that one too. So <clears throat> I'm sure people listening are wondering, right? So could it mess up? Does it mess up? Right. So what is there an element of human review? You know, right? Uh, yeah. Before it goes live. Yeah, so uh, these are all, uh, you can see them as a human assistance. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is all human assisted because we then need a human to actually review the negative keywords. So okay. imagine stop words, especially in non-English languages, are very difficult to predict. For some reason in French, this, this script always mess up. <laughs> uh, so the engram sometimes could pick up stop words. By stop words, I mean end, off, it, etc. Uh, the engram could pick up a stop word as a suggested negative. And then imagine, you know, you could exclude the keyword for mm. from your entire campaign. And maybe, you know, that's, that's a bad idea, right? So definitely we need a human in order to review that. Uh, but as I said, this is at the campaign bidding moment. Sure. Sorry, at the campaign building element. So, um, it's a phase where the human is heavily involved and we will have a human anyways. Yeah, definitely. I, I like the idea of the human assisted uh, type of you know, automation that goes into it. But again, you've, you've scaled their work, right? It's not them manually going out and doing it. It's you going out and bringing the work to them to then review and say, yes, no, okay, ship, yeah. right? And that's, that's way faster. It's way easier for me to go, yes, no, right? If, there you go. <laughs> if my decision is, you know, that binary, uh, you made my life a lot easier. So I think these are fantastic tools that you have um, you. put together. Uh, I, I, 
encourage you guys to go check out Gianluca. Um, he's at boosterboxdigital.com. And where can people find you on Twitter? On Twitter, my, name, my handle is KTZStyle. And I, I was very young when I picked up that, that handle. So sorry, guys. Yeah. I know it doesn't look professional now. <laughs> and I'll make sure to, uh, again, link to that so you guys can reach out at any time. Uh, we'll be linking uh, to these docs in the show notes. And he's already said, hey, reach out to me if you guys have any questions that you're coming across because uh, he can help anything that may come up as far as implementing. So sure. really good stuff. Uh, if it's hard Python stuff, JD. <laughs> yeah. If it's hard Python stuff, I'm just going to laugh at you. <laughs> so, all right. Well, again, thank you so much for flying all the way in from Italy uh, to be here. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, everyone, for um, tuning in. We'll be back next week for another episode of the PPC Show. 